Welcome to another episode of our mini podcast, I Built a Company That Makes a Difference by B1, where we talk to founders of sustainable businesses to get their takes on how and why they started their companies and lessons learned along the way. Today, I'm very excited. I'm joined by Yasmin, creator of Daisy Lane, which is a New York City-based handmade and hand-dyed knitwear fashion brand. So Yasmin's manufacturing process is super unique, very specific, amazing. And we'll get into that into in, in this conversation. I'd love for her to talk about that uh, and about her mission, her values, who she's helping, who's making her clothes, etc. So Yasmin, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Um, my manufacturing process is, I think, what makes my brand my brand. I think it makes Daisy Lane stand apart from other sustainable brands. And also, I think it really helps me um, create a woman-focused environment for my business to thrive and the people in my business to thrive. So I'm Turkish. Daisy Lane is based in New York, but I'm Turkish and my products are made in Turkey. And so actually Turkey is one of the countries with the highest rate of female, um, it's called femicide, which is basically like um, domestic partners or I guess just like any sort of man, like <laughs> killing a woman for like no action. It's like, it's like a hate crime basically. Um, and Turkey is one of the highest rates. Um, Turkey is one of the highest rates for this. So I don't know. I think like one of the biggest things I was thinking about when I was starting Daisy Lane was how can I help my community while also making this a sustainable business, not necessarily like sustainable for the environment, but also just sustainable as a business, as a business model. And like, how can I make this something that I can continue growing? And the first thing I was thinking of, like, I'm so lucky that I'm Turkish and so many people and so much of our culture is based around like crafting and, you know, like, I think it's a big thing to have your garments made in Turkey and like people often manufacture there. So for me, I was like, okay, well, this is perfect. Like I have this very easy in for something that for other people might be harder. And I started basically actually by, it was just me and two other women who have who I've actually known one of them my almost my whole entire life, who's Turkish. And we just started making crochet bikinis and everything started crochet and it wasn't hand dyed at this point. It was all like store-bought yarn. And um, I would draw some designs. I would try to like make like a prototype of each design, but more so I would draw them and send them over and like give specific measurements and, you know, like create a pattern for um, these two women to knit. But we would do very, very small quantity. Almost everything was one of a kind, um, maybe like in different colorways, but nothing was really ever repeated. And then as my bikinis, I guess, started selling more and I got I was selling in I was selling them in two stores in New York. And I think the in-person shopping experience versus the online shopping experience, um, the demand is very different because like you're stocking a store. So I wanted to have more product and it just wasn't working with just these two women. And so I was looking, I was just asking around, like trying to see if I know anyone who knows anyone who like knows someone who manufactures garments. And I was super lucky to be introduced to this woman who is the head of this um, NGO. Um, 
that basically creates housing for victims of domestic abuse or any sort of domestic violence situation. Um, and so they can leave their homes where the violence is happening and they can seek refuge within this, like, I guess, kind of like a sheltered environment. And they'll be taught, some of them already know knitting because again, it's like, I do think it's a very big part of culture uh, of our culture. And like, it's very common, like everyone, especially most women do know how to knit in Turkey, I would say, or crochet or have some sort of craft that they're into. So some of them already know how to knit, but this woman, her name is Pınar. She's a Turkish, um, she's a Turkish woman who's honestly amazing. Um, and she teaches them how to knit or sew or sometimes make rugs or whatnot. And she basically put together a team of five people for me who firstly just started handmaking my garments. Again, it was the same thing where I would draw a design, send over the pattern, or sometimes send over one garment that I would make and they would kind of replicate it. And then that became, I guess I was like, okay, well, this is cool, but I want to make it even more unique. And then that's where I think the hand dyeing came in. First, I was very set on having all natural dye. And then that kind of became an issue because the plants that I'm able to source and the plants that they're able to source are very different and they're very different prices. So I was trying basically to match the quality of both things because sometimes I'll be sent the yarn or the products and I will hand dye it and send it back. Um, but that's just not very sustainable because then I have to pay for international shipping and it has to go on all these cargo trucks and planes and whatever. So I was trying to keep that to a minimum. But anyway, so the hand dyeing, unfortunately, is not all natural. Um, but that's like the final step that I really want to take to make like everything super um, sustainable and also just like very unique. I think having one garment as like a one of a kind thing is so cool. And that's something that I care about when I'm shopping. So that's why I want to be able to provide. Yeah, so that's awesome. So the women actually making and creating your clothes are survivors of domestic abuse and de domestic violence. They're all based in Turkey. Yes. And they're essentially five women who are manufacturing your your products um, all of the time. And that's your team. Yes. That's amazing. That's, a great that's exactly it. Yes. <laughs> that's amazing. That's fantastic. Can you, ta you talk us back? Uh, no, sorry. Take us back to the beginning of uh, Daisy Lane. When did you start? How did you conceive it? I just started crocheting like picking up crocheting again as just kind of something that I can do when my toddler's asleep and it's not tv you know just yeah. like something to do and it's such a a calming experience for me it's much bigger than a hobby I think it's amazing that you are creating and commercializing um crocheting and knitwear that's amazing so could you take us all the way back to like the beginning of Daisy so, Lane even before that um I went to I went to NYU for studio art I got like a certificate well I got my degree in painting mm -hmm. with a concentration in basically like um drawing and painting so that's like all I did for four years I drew and I painted and I was very set on becoming like you know like a traditional artist like kind of looking for galleries and like you know like making that my life and that is still what I'm like very much interested in but um anyways and then I kind of realized like oh like this is this world of art 
of I guess like fine art and institutional art and museums and galleries whatnot like it felt so insincere to me um as an artist because the whole reason that I wanted to make art was I guess to express myself and like have a space where I can freely be myself like outside of the confines of society and like this world that we're living in that people have shaped and stuff like that so when I realized that that's not what the art world is I became honestly a bit really I got really really sad I was like oh no what have I been doing like right what am I gonna do exactly I was like that this was supposed to be my path and like now I'm very much against the core of it so I can't keep doing it you know and so honestly for like three four months I was really like thinking about this I was like what can I do that to me feels like is true to myself while also I get like also getting to make art and also getting to express myself and so at first I've always been like super into bikinis I love like I'll buy bikinis all year round I think they're so fun like (laughs) I'm a big like swimwear like beachwear person so I was like, okay, like I'll make bikinis. Like that's a fun idea. Then I can like hand dye them or I can draw on them or something like that. And at the time I was living in LA. So it made so much sense to me. Then I was talking to a couple of manufacturers and they were all telling me like the minimum amount of bikinis I can make is somewhere around like a thousand to fifteen hundred. Oh, that's a big minimum. Yes. And I was like, well, that's just not gonna happen. Like I cannot do that. I don't even know if I actually want to do this. Like I was like, I just want to see if I enjoy it. And then I started thinking, like, how do I find a place where I can make, let's say, 50 instead of a thousand? And then I think it was just like one night, like right before I went to sleep, I was like, oh, like crochet, like I could crochet bikinis. And then I make one and I see if it sells and I make two, like, you know, everything was just so much slower. And at the time, I didn't know how to crochet at all. And the next day I like went on YouTube and I was like how to crochet a bikini and I remember I watched this 12 year old girl like teach me how to crochet yeah right I was like if she can do I can do it she's 12 like (laughs) this is awesome um and she actually was really good she was a really good teacher because she was going so (laughs) slow and it was so funny I remember she like um put the video on like 0.5 speed so you can't like you could really really follow along and Anyway, so I watched this video. I learned how to crochet. I first, like, made a belt. Obviously, it takes a second, you know. Like, you have to make a couple things to be able to get to a triangle shape. And then um, and then I wanted to decorate them with, like, little, like, um, suns and, like, a flower and hearts and whatever. So, it's, like, I have to learn how to make those. Anyways, and then after I had made... I actually first started making crochet jewelry, which I never ended up selling. Um... But it felt like a like a cool way to experiment with a medium. And then once I realized, okay, like I actually like this. I like the way this looks. Like now I just need help like making the garment the way I want it to look. So I found, I asked this person who had made me a knit bag as a gift before. And I was like, so you know how to knit. Like, you know how to crochet probably. Like, do you think you could help me like make crochet bikinis? And she was like, yes, like that's such a fun idea. Like, why not? And then, so it was just her and I, and we started making, I think the first batch was maybe like 12 crochet bikinis. And then I just walked around New York, literally like knocking on doors. I was like, 
I made these bikinis. Like, do you want to sell them? Do you want to sell them? And then one store in Little Italy, um, the owner girl, she was like, I love these. And I was actually looking for swimwear. And I was like, okay, well, this is perfect. So I started selling there. And then actually they sold really well. So I was like, okay, well, I need someone else to help me. And this person that was already helping me asked her friend. So it was the three of us and we all were like really friendly and it was going really well. And then I guess like fall came and I was like, well, I can't really sell bikinis anymore. Like, what am I supposed to do? And that's when I found this new manufacturer that helped me make basically pants and sweaters and stuff like that. And that's how you expanded your line. So talk to talk about your line today. What does it look like for everybody who's not been to your site uh, or so, seen your designs? So now um, my fall winter was very much like sweatpants and sweaters and everything was very much about like being cozy at home and like comfort and, you know, like just, I don't know. I think like, at least for me, like I want to be comfortable in the winter. I always want to be comfortable. Comfortable is so much more important in the winter than it is to the summer for me because I'm already cold. I'm already having a hard time. I'm already like the weather, like the sun's going down at 4 PM. I'm like, okay, like I need to be comfortable. And I think like, an elevated sweatpant is always something that I'm looking for. So I was like, okay, I want to make that. And I want it to be super warm. And I want it to be, you can wear it at home, but you can also wear it to work. And yeah, so that was my fall winter. And now I'm actually currently doing a pop-up in London, which is oh. what you yeah that's around me. Where's your pop-up? Uh, I actually in... have so many questions, but yeah, first, where is your pop-up? <laughs> It's in Spitalfield Market. Oh, um, fantastic! With, yeah, with this um, basically, it's like a small, like it's a small brand called Lone Design Club, and they, <gasps> I know them, Rebecca yeah. Murder. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and she's the one, I guess, renting the space and like creating like a yep. space for a small brand. She does a really good job. Yes, she's really cool, and um, so I made an exclusive collection for them which is all hand-dyed, which is my first collection that's all hand-dyed, actually. And they have, they're like little peace signs and flowers and stars, like sweatpants. Um, and they're all, I guess, like flared. I don't know. I think they're very like 60s. That's the vibe I was going for. Very 60s, comfortable fashion that you can wear anywhere. That's my goal. Um, and it's, nice. it's a, thank you. And it's a looser knit, so you can wear it hopefully in the spring as well yeah maybe summer I don't know um but yeah so that's the vibe I'm in right now so then how old is Daisy Lane Daisy Lane is only a year old oh my gosh you've been doing all this in a year like like 12 months a year or like about to be two like how many months months? 11 11. months oh my goodness wow so you've been busy yeah I honestly think like I feel like when you're working on something because it's just me right like it's me and sometimes my friends will help me one of my really really good friends is my photographer and she does like all of my shoots for me which is really really cool my boyfriend does like all of the financing for me which is really nice and Mm -hmm. other than that it's just me so when it's just you working on something like this it doesn't necessarily feel like I'm doing a lot because it always feels like I can do more sure Uh, which I think is really difficult when you're a small business owner because you're like, I want to, you know what I mean? Like, I want to do all of these things. But I also am a person, like, I need to live. But also, like, I'm not really 
conforming to anyone else's nine to five. So like, how do I keep track of myself doing all this work, which has been very interesting for me. Um, so thank you for saying that I've been busy because sometimes I don't Yeah, feel like you've I've been been busy. busy. I mean, let's just let's just take a little, you know, stock of what you've done. So you've created your prototype, you've gone from in-house manufacturing, you found an actual manufacturer, you've scaled up, you have at least two distribution channels, if not more. Do you do DTC? Do you Um, do you do so e-commerce? I, yes, I have my own website. I sell online. I sell, um, so a store in, oh, you've actually done, I think she's been on your podcast before, Butterfly Club. Yeah, love her as well, Madeline. Yeah, Madeline. Um, so I sell there. Um, I sell, Oh, I love it when young ladies get together, right? young entrepreneurial ladies. It's awesome. And also the Yeah. canvas, which I think maybe you know On the about. canvas as well. Yeah, amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, there and then so this pop up in London. That's Wow. where. And you're international. Yes. So that's It was pretty very, good for, very exciting for me to be in yeah, London. It was I bet. so exciting. And Rebecca does a really good job. Like it, it looks, I've gone to a bunch of her pop-ups. It will look really nice. Are you going to Yeah. come over for that? I really wanted to, but I actually right now, um, this is a bit random, but my mom is having like a medical emergency, so I can't really leave her. Got But it. that was my Got plan. it. My plan was to be there. Unfortunately, I can't. I'm sure you're going to get lots of photos and feedback though. Yes. And I'm, it, it will And look great. hopefully I'll do another one soon with her as well. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay. That's, that's so, okay. So that's not bad for 11 months, right? Oh, yes. It feels good, actually. So then let's talk about distribution because we have a lot of entrepreneurs here who are like, look, this is a nightmare. How do I get into whatever? And you know, if you, it's, it's a different thing. If you're, um, taking samples of your product around New York on foot. And if you're trying to get into target, like, you know, so those, those are completely different, uh, different processes. And we interviewed um, some ladies back who just like drove the length of New Zealand, like going to every single grocery store without, without any like appointments or <laughs> any contacts and just being like stock our, I think it was like, um, sponge or a cloth like stock are That's sustainable yeah like that, i love those stories so talk about distribution how did you think about it um when you were first starting out what what did you envision and then talk about the the journey of like with your bag full of samples like walking around manhattan awesome. Honestly, I didn't even think anyone was going to say yes. Like, I really did not think anyone's going to be like, yeah, like, I'll sell your product. I also thought it was going to be way more of a... like a formal process, I guess, like the first time I went in. Um, so backtrack, I made my website, I was like, okay, I'll sell online, like, that probably will be the easiest. And then I was like, okay, I'll also make a Depop. And then Depop is a world of its own that I don't necessarily know how to navigate, to be honest. So I like it wasn't very Tell successful. America, tell non-Americans what Depop is. Depop is like, It's basically a consignment app where you have your own little store um, and you're selling either like like new handmade stuff or like old, like thrifted, um, I guess, like vintage clothes. And I think like there are many creators on Depop that become like a staple in that community. And I just did not really know how to like navigate that world at all. I'm also... Like, I think Instagram I'm used to, but any other platform like TikTok or Twitter or even YouTube is like, it's hard for me. So I like, I wasn't necessarily expecting too much off of Depop. Um, 
but I knew that I needed something else that wasn't my website because I, I had like at the time I had like maybe 500 Instagram followers so I was like I need someone to like help me grow this business and I was just walking around I tried probably the first day I tried like five stores and actually the last one I went into was a store in Little Italy and they were like yeah like yeah totally just like drop it off now I was like <laughs> That's no wait like actually I was so surprised I dropped like I literally ran home grabbed like another bag of my stuff and at the time I had maybe like 20 things and I gave them all 20 and like I like on my website I put everything out of stock out of stock out of stock I gave them all of my bikinis and they sold really well and I was like I was so excited and I was so proud of myself like it felt like the first like major milestone like tangible milestone of my business that so is a so huge happy. milestone that's a big one so happy and yeah and then actually I hosted some events at that store which helped me gain I guess like a community and um yeah and then after that I kept walking around I got obviously way more no's than yeses and there were many like pop-up opportunities that I wasn't so interested in to be honest because I think pop-ups cater to a specific like like a like a two-day pop-up cater to caters to a specific type of brand which I didn't think was really my vibe um so I walked around kind of, I did like two or three pop-ups none of them like I mean they were all right, you know, like, I think, especially, like, if they're a smaller pop-up, then it's, it's cool, because you get to meet other people who are, like, in the same business as you, but I think in terms of sales, for me, it wasn't so great, um, mm -hmm. you have to pay to be a part of the pop-up, and then you never really know if you're gonna sell anything, and sometimes they take commission, it's, like, this whole mm -hmm. thing, so I was very much set on getting another store, and I just emailed a bunch of people, I emailed, and I filled out forms on their website, and stuff like that, and then, probably I did 50 and like two came back to me and one of them was a canvas and I had actually gone to an event that they hosted like three years prior and I was like and I and I remember like when they emailed me back I was like really like this is so cool like this is amazing <laughs> and then we had like a zoom meeting type thing and then like in a week they were like okay drop off your product amazing and I was so happy you had um, time to make more product then so I actually was in the process of looking for all of these new stores I was like okay like while I'm looking for everything I'm gonna make so many things that it's gonna be annoying for me you know like that was my plan I was like until I find stores I'm just gonna make and make and make and make and make and then once I have I don't know I just trusted the fact that if I make enough someone's gonna stock them you know and at first I actually opened a showroom um also in New York and which is still it's still happening and it's like an appointment only showroom that I will go to and like um basically fit you and um yeah and while all that was happening I was like okay like I'll stock all my product in my showroom and if people want to come and buy from there that's cool but I think that's almost the same thing as e-commerce where you have to really really engage your consumer whereas like if it's just a store that people are going to walk into then it's kind of a bit more hands-off process and yeah so I, anyway so I was just making and making and making and making and I was hearing no and no and no and not even no sometimes they just don't even respond and you're like okay fine like I tried um but then like three people responded and that was like that's all I needed you know like I got the butterfly club I got the canvas and I got LDC in London and 
I was like, well, now I don't even have products. Like, and now I need to make even more, which was amazing. Um, and so that's how like the collection that I did for um LDC came about. That's why it's like an exclusive, um, for them because once I like signed the contract with them, I was like, okay, like I really need to be able to stock the store. So yeah. That's a lot. So you are your you've got your e-commerce. So you're doing direct to consumer. You've got three different locations in two different countries. That's fantastic. Let's talk about growth. So where do you see this year, 2024? While we're doing this, we're in Q1 of 2024, uh, this interview. What do you see in terms of channels for growth this year? Where are you going to spend your time in terms of, you know, your your channel strategy? So my whole life, like genuinely since I was like maybe like six or seven years old, I have been like obsessed with the idea of having a coffee shop or bakery. Like that's been my whole, like my whole life. I've always wanted to do that. And I'm very particular about like baked goods and also my coffee. And I'm also very particular about clothes and I want them to be comfortable and I want them to fit well. And I want to know where I'm getting them from and all of these things. So and actually with Daisy Lane, like the first thing that I was hoping to be able to do for myself was to open a store. Because then I think like you have foot traffic and it just looks so fun. Like it looks like so much fun to have your own store and like I can make some coffee and there can be a couch where people can read a book and maybe work on their computer. And I don't know, I can make them a croissant, like whatever. You know what I mean? Like whatever they want, I want Daisy Lane to be able to cater to them. Like you want pants? you got them. You want a coffee, you have it. Like you want to buy like a cute vintage necklace, I will be selling it. Like that's my dream. That's that has you have been your space dream. where you could do yes. what you want in it, which is like, it sounds like to create a mood and a sentiment and a feeling. And it sounds like you gear towards very comfy and good Yes. in your space. Is that about right? I think, um, Daisy Lane to me really feels like, I mean, it's clothes, but it really does feel like so much more than clothes. It feels like my own world. Like it feels like something that I was able to create because I did not like the existing space, you know? And so to be able to create a real, like in this world space for my own world, I mm -hmm. think would. Is that, is that the plan for 2024? pursuing something like that. like that that's amazing that would be that would be a lot for yeah. two years that but would be I, a lot I think you just got to do it I think the more I think about it I'm like okay just stop thinking about it and do it because otherwise you're never like gonna that. I like that a lot so then how do you think about like traditional marketing or non-traditional marketing social media like how do you think about it um I at first was very much confused by like how to market my product I was like do I do influencer gifting do I like do Instagram ads like mm -hmm. do I do like real ads like what do I do mm -hmm. and the first thing I did which like shout out to my friend Ellie because she and I walked around New York with like wheat paste which is like this like makeshift glue that you make with water and flour um with like posters that we printed out ourselves at staples and we just walked around new york and like pasted the posters up okay. and they were pictures that she had taken of my bikinis and we had an address where you could buy them and we had my website and yeah and that's what we did and we just walked around literally for like two days 
with like a bucket of like flour and water and my posters and we just put them all up that and is amazing that was a really fun day we had a really good time and it felt like I was actually I think like when you're doing your own thing no matter what like business you're pursuing but like when you feel like oh wow like you know like this is what it's like to like this is like these are my bikinis and like this is like a picture that you took and now everyone's gonna have to see them like it's not even like up to them it's right there like they have to see it and that to me was just such an amazing feeling and I felt again so proud that like proud of the product but more than more than that just like proud that I did that you know what I mean like I think once you realize like there's nothing standing in your way of doing something and you actually just like get up and do it rather than contemplating like oh like but that doesn't make sense or this and that like you just got to get out there and do it you know and I think like it's the same for this store I've been thinking about it for that was the, honestly the first thing I wanted to do I was like I just want to open a store and then I tried to like make sense of it and I was like okay well first let me try online and da, 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 all these things and I don't know I think I still am in the camp of like just do it you know like what's gonna happen what's the worst thing that can happen you know you just put oh, yourself that's, that's very very cool okay so 2024 is about looking for a physical space where you can do kind of what you want in there and finding like, new distribution channels and new distribution partners is that a big priority or you're just gonna you're gonna kind of nurture the relationship that you've created so far that's always a big priority right like I think the more places that you can buy my product the better like if like because maybe I guess or New York but like maybe you live in London and you want to buy my product you know or like maybe my store is downtown and you live uptown and you're like oh I just really want to like go buy some sweatpants like anywhere that is willing to sell Daisy Lane that I think makes sense with my brand I will always be looking for and I think like I've had many situations in the past where I think I found a store and then we just like don't align in like what we think you know like a store should serve as mm -hmm. and I think when that happens I really am even more motivated to have my own space but definitely always looking for places where Daisy Lane could thrive. Definitely. Can you talk a little bit more about that just for our listeners what give us an example or how do you talk or talk about your experiences when you find a store and you're like oh okay we're just we're not really aligned on this or we're kind of clashing on this and best not to force it. What things do you look out for? Um, Actually, I'm thinking of it like a very particular situation um, with a store in downtown New York. Um, they, so basically this space um, it's on, if you live in New York, it's on Bowery and it's on Bleecker, which to me are like some of the nicest streets in New York. And it used to be an antique store that I loved. And I actually have many things in my house from this antique store. And they closed down. And I saw that there was this like, like a multi-brand concept store type thing opening instead of the antique store. And even before they opened, I went in. I was like, oh my gosh, like I love, I used to love this store. I love this space. Like, this is so, so cool. Like, I also have a small brand. Like, if you guys are interested, like, let me send you my lookbook or whatever. So I send them an email. And they're like, yes, this is awesome. Like, this is perfect. Um, we really want to like collaborate with you. Um, but everything that they were saying to me, it just felt like they were trying to like make money off of me rather than actually like showcase a small brand. Um, it felt like they asked for me to pay their rent and they asked for me to, yeah, which I thought was very strange. And they asked for me, um, 
it was like very small it was like a very small space in their store and it was only me and another brand and like I didn't really understand like why I got such a small space and like why they wanted me to pay so much and why they wanted to take so much commission like it just didn't make sense to me and one of my really good friends works um like in a similar space and I asked him and I was like what do you think like does this make sense to you and um he was like no they're just trying to like get you to pay their rent like this like will not make you like any money these people like have just opened like this doesn't make sense and I was like okay like I I agree like this is yeah it's true and that was the first thing that I had like that was the first like offer that I was excited about that I had to turn down which was really hard because it felt like I was saying no to an opportunity but then the more I thought about it I was like okay like not all things are good things you know so I had to say no but it was really difficult to say no so when you can you talk a little bit about just following your gut in some of these instances because I talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who are like I you know I would really love it if my gut would talk to me and and some of these things and situations that I'm trying to navigate just not sure so yeah. how do with like when you thought oh, okay some of maybe this situation but others as well because you're you're new on your entrepreneurship journey but you're it seems like you're really following your gut um how do you how would you advise or suggest that other entrepreneurs especially female entrepreneurs follow their guts when i think it's been a couple um podcasts that we've talked about how do you find your guts like how do you find your instinct and what how do you do it well daisy lane is a thing because I followed my gut. You know what I mean? Like it only exists because I decided like, I'm just gonna do it. I think, I just think it's about doing it. I don't know. Like, I really think like you, like same with the store thing that I was just talking about, like you go, you know what I mean? You like, even if they say like, pay my rent, you think about it. Like, you're not just gonna be like, no, like I'm not gonna do that. You know what I mean? I think once you have all the information, then it's so much easier to be like, oh, like, this makes sense or it doesn't make sense I also think like once you meet the people it's a whole different thing like you can really understand like what the like what the people intend to do with your product and their space actually the canvas is a really good example of that like I thought that was a really um big space I was a bit intimidated because it's in the World Trade Center which to me I was like that's huge like I don't know if that makes sense for me like I just wasn't sure and then I spoke to the two owners and once I spoke to them I was like okay like definitely I'm doing this like you guys have created so much trust actually I can speak so positively about them like they I don't even know them I've never met them in person but like in every conversation I've ever had with anyone who works at the canvas it's been so overwhelmingly positive like I just think like they've made me feel so secure in my relationship with them which is so amazing and I think when you have that kind of example in your life where you're like okay this is a this is a business relationship that's working for me um then I think it's so much easier to be like okay well this new thing doesn't feel the same as this right. other thing I have going right. on. and also like just in just in general if you're like trying to think like about if a business decision makes sense I think if you take out the business of it and you're like in my in my personal life, like in my real life, take out the business, take out the the money, take out everything. Like, does this make sense to me? Like as a human being, 
Like, do I trust this situation? And I think if you say no, then it's a no also business-wise. And I'm actually super lucky because my my both of my parents own their own business and they're they're both like kind of small business owners. And when I speak to them, they really um through the people that they talk to and I see them like talking to these people and engaging with them and like the relationships that they have with these people in their lives that are business relationships, but also almost always form into friendships. Like, I think that's so amazing. Like when you know you've found the people that you want to work with, I think that's like such an intuitive thing for sure. That's a really good one. If you would not engage in this, this relationship or this, whatever, this deal, this, engagement in your personal life should probably steer clear of it in your professional life as well that's pretty Yasmin that's pretty good advice (laughs) that's pretty good advice I'm thinking about that one now I think like even with me and Daisy Lane like I always want to see it as a relationship you know like it's something that I've brought into this world yes but it's also so independent of me now like I'm you know I do other things as well and I like well, I don't, I mean, I don't mean I do other things in the sense of like, oh, like I have another business, but I, you know, like I'm a, like I go out to dinner or like I have a dog, I walk my dog. Like I do these things that like have nothing to do with my business at all. And I think like to think of my business as a entity that's outside of me rather than inside of me. And that way to be able to like have a conversation with the business um, and really like try to remain impartial to whatever's going on and like really try to like observe the situations that I put the business in it really helps me because then you're able to see your business as a business rather than like your child you know a couple things that is really smart for a first-time entrepreneur that's really smart uh and two what are some things that you've gotten wrong so far that you think look this one was just hands up this did not work or this was a fail I would have done this completely differently yeah um first thing I can think of many many things but first thing I can think of is I did a collab with another like knitwear designer and she lived um I don't really remember where but I had to like send my stuff there she didn't live in new york so i had to like package my stuff and send it to her and she was gonna basically like embroider on my knits and send them back and i was gonna do the same to hers and we hadn't really spoken about what they were gonna look like in the end um we both kind of like trusted each other um and it just went horribly wrong because the the clothes i think looked really cool but the communication we had with each other and like the way that we went about this collab I think was just all wrong. Like we did not have any sort of, I was just saying like, it's cool to be friends with these like people that you meet in your business journey, but her and I, we had no boundaries. This was also like when I first started. So I didn't really know how to navigate a business relationship. And I was just kind of like, okay, like do whatever you want to do. And she, I, I assume was in the same similar situation as me. And she was just kind of like, she didn't really know what to do either. And we were both just I think I was we I think we were both happy with the product, but we were disappointed in the relationship and like the way that we formed this relationship. And we were both just kind of like, okay, like we're not doing that again, you know. Um, another one is that store that I was talking about. And actually, even with Butterfly Club, like um their appointment only now. And I think, I'm not sure. I don't wanna 
I, I know that their appointment only during the weekdays and I'm not sure about the weekends, but um, I remember when I found that out, I was thinking to myself, like, it's kind of like a showroom, which I already have. Like, do I need to be doing like, I don't know. I think just like think these things through and like allow yourself to second guess yourself, you know, like follow your intuition, but also be like, wait, like, do I really like need to be doing this or like, you know, like, do I need to be putting my energy into this thing that isn't maybe giving anything back to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And any words of encouragement for any would love to be entrepreneurs who just haven't done it yet, haven't made the leap or not financially able to leave their jobs maybe, or just haven't found the right set of circumstances? Um oh. Uh, I, my advice always to like any circuit, like anyone, anyone who's ever asking, I think this is a really good sentiment. It's just like, just do it. Like Nike has it right. Just do it. That's all you have to do. Just do it. Like, okay. Like maybe you can't quit your job. Like try to do it at night. You know what I mean? Or like you can't, like maybe you can't afford to buy the specific type of yarn. Don't buy that yarn, buy the other yarn, you know, like, and just still just do it. And like, keep doing it until you can do the other step and then do the other step and just keep building yourself and just always have faith that like if you're moving forward even if an inch at a time you're still moving forward and that's better than standing still you know that's a good one all right let's switch to our rapid fire all right so we know what your plans are for 2024 that's amazing let's talk about since the beginning what has been your biggest challenge? Um, I think my biggest challenge is all of the bigger companies that are also doing knitwear. And it's just so much easier to buy from them. And you already know their name. And, you know, like, it's just so much. It just comes to mind when you think of knitwear, you know. And that's always a challenge to be able to put yourself out there in a way that you can't really match these big brands. But you try to, you know. Mm-hmm. Most important lesson learned to date. You just got to keep doing it. Even if it sucks, you keep doing it. Definitely. If you could get 85% of the world to adopt a single behavior, what would that be? I think this question, a similar question was asked to me for an interview at B1, and which was on their website. And I remember I really, really thought about it. I was like, I don't know the answer to this. But then I remembered like something that I really genuinely think um I think everyone should remember that they were a kid once you know mm. like you were a kid and you wanted to do all of these things maybe you wanted to be an astronaut I wanted to be a ballerina um there were all these things I'd never danced ballet in my life but I was like I can be a ballerina you know like you just <laughs> believe that you can do these things and you should I don't think you should ever forget that you have that belief in yourself you know no matter what for sure amazing and then where can we find you? We know where your products are, but online, give the Daisy, give Daisy Lane socials, plug everything, website, give us it all. Um, so I'm on daisylaneworld.com and my Instagram is daisylaneworld and you can purchase at Butterfly Club, the canvas, um, LDC, and sometimes at different pop-ups, which you can find on my Instagram. All right. Amazing. Yasmin, thank, thank you so much for joining us to talk about Daisy Lane, amazingly insightful young 
entrepreneur. So we'll be Thank watching so what you do. So glad you've connected with so many of our friends too. Yes. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, thanks for stopping by. Everyone else will see you on B1. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me.